My name is Adam Young. I'm the lead pastor here at Element Church. I want to welcome you um, as we are in week four uh, of our sermon series called Natural Rhythms. And um, just as we've kind of talked about every week, you know, there are certain natural rhythms to life. Um, every, every different life stage presents different rhythms, whether you're in high school or college or your first job or your long-term career, whether you're single, married, you have kids, you're an empty nester, whatever it is, every life stage presents different rhythms to life. And, uh, and, and we, we are using the natural rhythms of life just to explore some different um, different topics and allowing God to, to speak into us. For our culture, regardless of what life stage you're in, January is just one of those times that has a natural rhythm to it. Um, and so we've covered a number of topics. A few weeks ago, we talked about um, the value of human life, you know, on Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. Um, so we've just taken some different opportunities this month to, to take the natural rhythm of our culture and use it as an opportunity for God to speak to us. And one of those natural rhythms in our life is every January, even though that technically it's February, but uh, the sermon series went a week longer than anticipated, so deal with it. Um, but every January, it's just an opportunity to do some self-evaluation. And I don't know about you, but at least in my life, there have been some Januaries where I've looked back at the previous year and thought, what happened? Or how in the world did I get here? Like, what, what was it that led me here? And last week, we talked about uh, the mission of and the vision of Element Church, why we exist, what, what it is that we're trying to accomplish, why we believe um, God has put this church together. Um, and, and what we're going to talk about today, um, and still examining that same idea of who are we as a church, kind of providing that reflection that often happens in January, um, we're going to talk a little bit about how you can be involved in what we're doing, and how we can help as a church support you in what God has called you to do. And so, um, you know, every January, you may look and think of particular stories and, and ask those questions. How did we get here? Um, and, and there are some interesting stories that evolve around Element Church um, that help to paint a picture of how we got here and what we're trying to do and, and, and maybe what's unique about us. Um, I, there are a few stories that I don't tell very often, so there are a, a few stories that just kind of speak to who we are as Element Church. And I, I don't tell, this first story I'm going to tell, I don't tell very often. I've, I've actually told it twice in like the last two weeks. Um, and uh, just kind of random coincidence. But, um, you know, my wife and I, we kind of talked about uh, our calling and coming to start this church um, last week. We, we kind of talked about how that happened and uh, you know, we were, uh, we moved to Aurora. We just felt like the Lord had opened the door for us to plant Element Church here. Um, long story short, um, the reason we chose this area was uh, I printed a huge map of the area of the Denver metro area, put a pin in the map for every church that I knew of um, that was preaching the gospel and making a difference in their community. And we started looking for gaps. We were looking for holes. I didn't even know Murphy Creek existed. We lived in the Morrison-Littleton area. 
like this was Kansas to us. And so uh, I didn't even know that like people lived out here that weren't farmers. And so we, we got this map and we're putting all these pins and there's like, there's this community over here. And uh, as far as I could tell, there were no churches. There was nothing happening um, spiritually here. And so we started praying and, and that's what led us here. And we moved here at the end of 2012 um, for the sole purpose of starting this church. And we didn't know a single person who lived in Aurora. We didn't know a soul. And we started literally just knocking on our neighbor's doors. Aren't you glad I didn't move in next to you? Uh, and we just started knocking on neighbor's doors, meeting them, getting to know them, and sharing the gospel. And uh, we started as a Bible study in my living room, uh, our living room. And um, we did that for uh, a couple years, just a Bible study in our, in our living room until we were ready and we moved into the school to start hosting like public worship gatherings. And early on in those days, um, you know, it, it, it was a very, very small crew. Um, you know, it's interesting, uh, Nick and Trina led us in worship last week, and, and we were talking before service that uh, they've been with us almost four years, and they're like the second longest reigning couple, um, a part of our church, Tim and Katie. Uh, I don't even, I can't even believe they're still here. Um, <laughs> they've been us, with us the longest. They're, so so we, met, we met Tim and Katie in a, in a community outreach event. And uh, invited them, and they were like, yeah, we would love to come and see what you guys are doing and, and see if we want to be a part. And it just so happened that the first week they decided to come. This, we didn't even meet in the school. We met as a Bible study in my living room. We had planned as a Bible study, we were going to go knocking on doors, inviting people to church. It was the first week they showed up. They had never attended a church at all with us, and they show up and were like, hey, we're going like knocking on doors, inviting people. And they were literally like, okay, we'll go. I'm like, they were inviting people to a church they had never attended. Um, I, I literally thought they're never coming back. Like, and um, so anyways, we, we moved into the school and um, it was a small crew. I mean, there were on a good day, 10 of us. And that included our children. I mean, it was a small crew that we were just committed to coming together and worshiping. And um, so there was one particular day we set up church, um, and there was just me and a guy named Billy, who was our very first worship pastor, Elena, my wife, and Lindsay, his wife. And Billy and I were doing all this, setting this up. Uh, my wife, his wife, they were setting up children's ministry. They, they ran, like, the children's ministry every week. And... Um, so Billy and I are standing in the lobby and we're like staring at the front doors and we're like, all right, we got everything ready. Let's go. And comes time for worship and no one was here. And then about five minutes later, no one was here. And then about 15 minutes later, no one was here. And 25 minutes later, and no one was here. And at that point, my worship pastor, Billy, looked at me and he said, how about this? How about we go get our wives and our kids and we'll just come in here and we'll worship together. And in that moment, which was probably one of the darkest moments of my own spiritual life, uh, I looked at him and said, I can't do it. Let's just tear down and go home. And the moment I said those words, four people walk in the door all four were first-time visitors. Funny story, even though he's not here today, Roselle and Kim were one of those couples uh, who walked in. And, uh, and then like 30 seconds later, another family walks right in. 
So we uh, were like, awesome. We're just going to start service 30 minutes late. So we literally just did our regular service. We just started 30 minutes late and it acted like we were starting on time. So, so they came in. And, and this is pretty typical of the early days. I mean, I'm preaching to a crowd of like five people. Um, and, and so we, we, uh, we, we have service and then we tear down and we go home. And most of you know that I'm an introvert, like pretty extreme off the charts introvert. And so, you know, like uh, to recharge my batteries, my, my basement is like my safe space because it's cold and it's dark and it's quiet. And right, like that's just how I recharge my batteries. And so that night I go and I, I go to my basement and I'm like, what is wrong with me? Like, what is wrong with my heart that despite it only being like my family and the worship pastor's family that I couldn't worship? Like, what's, what am I doing here? Like, why am I here? Why am I trying to lead this church? Like, what? And it was a dark, dark uh, moment in my life of going, man, who am I? Like, I'm supposed to be leading these people and leading them into worship, and I couldn't worship myself just because I was mad or disappointed that no one had showed up. Um, I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles. Um, this one's going to be a little hard to find. We're going to start in Habakkuk. Um, except for I had a seminary professor who used to pronounce it Habakkuk, and it used to get on my nerves, but maybe that's how you pronounce it. But um, what's that? I know. I'm from Oklahoma. We don't pronounce things like that. Um, so if you're going to have a hard time finding it, don't be ashamed to go to the table of contents in your Bible. Or let me tell you what's easier. It'll be on the screen, but if you'll pull out your phone and open up your Bible app, I hope most of you know how to do this, but if you'll just click the menu option, if you click menu uh, and then click events, or it might say live events. I'm not sure what it says in yours. Um, if you click live events, your phone already knows that you're at Element Church because Big Brother knows where you are at all times. And uh, so the first thing that's going to pop up is Element Church. If you will click on Element Church, uh, not only are the things we're going to cover in our announcements later already there, but um, the scriptures we're going to cover are there this morning as well. And so if, if uh, finding Habakkuk is a little difficult, um, maybe that's easier to do. Um, so we're going to start in chapter 3. I'm just going to read two verses, verses 17 and 18. It says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. And so... If you think about this from the perspective of the author who lived more than 2,500 years ago, when you talk about the produce and the crop, you talk about the flock and the herd, this is more than just an analogy. This is your way of life, right? This is how you live. This is how you survive. This is how you exist, right? This is, this is what sustains you and your family. And he says, even if none of it shows up, even if nothing goes the way I had planned, even if I have nothing to show for it at the end of the day, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. It's this scripture, along with some others like it, Psalm 42 being one of them, 
that the Lord really began to challenge and to speak into my life and my heart in that early season in Element Church when no one sometimes did show up. For me to rethink, what is it that we're doing here? What is our purpose? Mine as an individual and as a pastor and a leader and ours as a church. What, what are we here to accomplish? And are we chasing after certain signs of success as other people would define it? Or are we here to, despite what may or may not come true, yet we will worship. Yet we will come before the God of our salvation and celebrate who he is and what he has done in our life, even if that doesn't include maybe some expectations that we had. There's, there's one other story that I want to share with you, and then, and then we're going to we'll get out of story mode. Um, so that I just shared with you the darkest day, I think, in my own spiritual life uh, since, since becoming a Christian, since placing my faith and trust in Jesus was, was just that sense of, like, what am I really chasing? What do I really put, place value on? Um, there was another, this was not long after, um, Maybe maybe a year later, and uh, probably a, about exactly a year later, and things had gotten a lot better. Like people from the community had started coming, and we were reaching people and growing a um, little slower than we had wanted or anticipated our growth would be. But we were we were growing, and um, we had one particular Sunday. We had a couple string of Sundays that were pretty low attendance, and we had one Sunday that was just. Uh, it felt like we had gone backwards like two years. I remember getting up to preach and there were like four people sitting in the chairs. It was, it was a little rough. Um, so fine, like from my own perspective, I had gone through that rough season of being able to, I can worship despite what may or may not happen on a Sunday morning in this room. Go home, my wife and I were making lunch and we're both thinking the same thing. And then I'm, I think it was her. I think she said it first. I don't remember. I think, I, I think she was the first one to say it. Um, so we're, we're making sandwiches. And I remember her saying, so at what point do we say, well, we tried. We gave it our best shot. Just not going to work. And my answer was, I don't know. And just asking that question of like, maybe we missed the mark on something. Maybe, maybe we're not supposed to be here. Maybe someone else should be leading this church or maybe just wasn't the right timing. Maybe we missed God's calling on this. Thought he said yes, maybe not. And we're just in this season of like, well, maybe we are done here. And without doing anything, like just asking the Lord that week, are we done? Like maybe, you know, for whatever reason, maybe you're moving us on to a new season of life or a new stage or a new place. Uh, for no other, like for nothing other than God just showing up, we didn't do anything. We didn't tell anyone. We didn't do any marketing. We didn't do any community events. The very next Sunday was the largest attended Sunday we had ever had at that point in Element Church, and it was sort of like God saying, "No, you're not done. There's still work to be done." Now. When we were preparing to plant Element Church, like you have to go through a lot of training. You don't have to. 
I mean, anyone can start a church, but in order to get certain funding and, and approval of certain things, you have to go through a lot of training and they give you all of these terrible statistics. Um, some of the statistics like, and this one is especially true in Colorado and in the West, 80% of churches don't make it to five years. 80% of church starts shut their doors before they hit the five-year anniversary. 90% of churches will never break 100. Now, we can celebrate because we surpassed the five-year mark, and this Easter, we actually had exactly 100 people, which is kind of crazy. Um, but, but here's the deal. Why are we here? Is it just to beat the statistics, like just to beat the odds? Because Elena and I were in a group of about 40 people going through this training, and as far as we can tell, those who we've been able to track down, we're the only church still going of the 40 uh, 20 churches, 40 people, 20 churches that started when we did. I mean, is that why we're here? Are we just here to beat statistics and beat the odds? The reason we're here is the mission statement we covered last week. If you don't remember it, it's we exist to glorify God through whole lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We spent a lot of time last week talking about what it means to bring God glory and why that's the chief end of this church of you and every other church. So whether you never come back to Element again, you go and you plug into another church, they may say it differently, but they still have the same mission. They still have the same purpose for existing, and it's to bring God glory. And that's what we talked a lot about last week. And, you know, we talk about bringing God glory through whole life transformation, seeing whole lives transformed. What does that mean? Like, if that's our mission, if that's our purpose, we're not here to beat statistics, and we're not just here because none of us have any better hobbies on Sunday, right? Like, if this is a hobby to you, you should buy a boat or play golf or something, right? Like, if you're just here because it's a hobby, you need better hobbies. Like, we're here for a different purpose. We're here to bring God glory to see whole lives transformed. What does that mean? What is whole life transformation? Well, some of it is, it means a lot of things that we can't measure. It means that you have a different level of patience with your children. That's something I can't measure. Whole life transformation includes your ability to forgive your spouse. That's something I can't measure. It, it includes the love and devotion you have to the Lord your willingness to follow where he leads, even if where he leads is difficult or uncertain. Those are things that are hard for us to measure. It means that there's a transformation in your heart when it comes to greed and lust and envy and anger. All things that we can't measure. But that's a part of whole life transformation. That Every week when we get together and we read from God's word and we preach God's word and we sing these songs and you hear the prayers and people coming up to, to share a thought here and there, those are all designed to allow God to speak into your life, to do those things in your heart. Sometimes they're things that only you know about. Sometimes they're even things that you don't know about yourself until God reveals them. But there are some things that we can measure. There are some things that we can measure as, a, as a, a litmus test for whether or not we're actually fulfilling our mission, whether we're really bringing about 
whole life transformation in order to honor God. And there's a lot of things that we track. We track church attendance. I mean, I'm a pastor, so of course I count how many people are here. Um, we, we track ter- church attendance. We track uh, small group participation. Um, so the percentage of adults involved in small groups compared to the percentage of, or t- to the number of adults who attend on a Sunday morning. We track volunteers, track the percentage of adults in our church who volunteer on a monthly basis. We track giving per attender, how much per person per week on average we, we average in giving. We, we track number of members and those who have signed up to, to covenant membership, there are things that we can track and there are things that we can't track. And so we do our best to, to be realistic about where we are and where we're going and how, how effective we're being. And one of the things that we've done in our church is to create a tool to help you and us track whether or not we're moving towards the direction of whole life transformation, whether or not we're, we're bringing by God glory by allowing the gospel to take root in our lives and to change who we are and, and what we do. And we created a tool about a year and a half ago called Covenant Membership, um, where it's membership that, that means something where those who agree to membership here sign a covenant that says, these are the things that I commit to. These are the things that I agree to make a part of my life um, as we work together to grow and to mature in our lives. And there are five things that we put in that covenant guide, in, in the covenant membership that we call them covenant guidelines to guide us in what God has called us to, to help be a litmus test for ourselves uh, about whether or not we're moving in the right direction. And so I'm going to cover briefly those five covenant guidelines. If you have your Bible app, they're already in, in the Bible app. You can see them there, or they'll be on the screen as we go along through them. And so uh, I'll briefly go through them, and then we'll talk about each one for uh, just a minute or two. Our five covenant guidelines are um, that all of our members agree to participate faithfully, serve sacrificially, give generously, grow passionately, and engage missionally. Those are our five covenant guidelines, and I'll hit each one and kind of what they mean and and why they're there um, together. The first one is participate faithfully. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 24, says this. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, and not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. And so we challenge all of our covenant members to participate faithfully. That was good, wasn't it? Uh, Faithfully in the ministries of the church, which primarily include what we do on Sunday morning and our e-groups. Because if we're going to stir one another up to love and to good works, then that requires us being together and knowing one another. Sundays are great. I love Sundays. It's a, it's a cool opportunity for us to be together. And uh, honestly, there's honestly nothing probably in an, on an average week that brings more excitement to my heart than when we're singing and I can hear the congregation singing. Now, I don't stand up front when we're singing on purpose, but sometimes even from the back, I can hear the voices. And, I, and there's something powerful and special about it. There's something special about what God does and how he speaks in this environment. But the reality is, um, it would be really easy to walk in on a Sunday morning and walk out and then 
go about the rest of your life um, and miss a lot of what the Lord is doing. And that's why we have uh, our small groups. We call them e-groups. It's just short for element groups, um, where we sit down in a circle and we move from rows to circles so that we can get to know people and share life with one another, share the good things, the bad things, and to challenge one another in love and in good works. And so we challenge our church to participate faithfully in those ministries so that God can continue to work and to speak. The second one is to serve sacrificially. First Peter, uh, starting in chapter 4, verse 10, says this, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You've been given a gift by God for two reasons. To serve others and to bring him glory. And so we challenge our church. Every one of us are gifted differently. You have a different personality, you have different skills, you have different passions, you have different life experiences, so utilize those to serve one another. The most frequent analogy the Bible uses of the church in Scripture is the, is the analogy of a body. We are all members of one body. We all are different parts of the body serving different functions, but we need each other. And the Bible even calls out the absurdity of thinking uh, of, of one body part saying, well, I'm not going to do anything because I'm not this body part or whatever. We need each other. Your life experiences, your knowledge, your gifts, your personality, everyone else in this church needs that because you can be that agent through which God speaks and challenges for love and for good works. And so we challenge our, ser- our, our church to serve sacrificially, to use what God has given you to serve those around you. Um, so our first one was participate faithfully. The second one was serve sacrificially. The third one is give generously. Matthew chapter 6, in what is the most famous sermon the world has ever known, uh, the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus, um, starting in verse 19, Jesus says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, if you know what the Bible teaches on money, you know that Jesus isn't encouraging you to give away 100% or to be reckless in what you do. That The Bible actually teaches people good stewardship, Wise living means that you set aside money, you save money. Like, but a part of what it means to be chasing after God and what he's doing in this world and what he has called us to is to, is to be a generous people. And then notice what he says here. It wasn't that your treasure will follow your heart, which is how most of us assume it works. He says your heart will follow your treasure. Most of us are in a position where we're like, yeah, you know, I would do that. I would give, but I'm just not there yet. My heart's not quite there yet. And Jesus says, you don't wait for your heart to get somewhere and then start giving. You start giving because that'll draw your heart into it. And this is not a shameless plea for you to start giving a bunch of money to the church. I mean, we'll take it, but I'm just kidding. Um, This is about being a generous person with the gifts God has given you. And he has given you a gift in your personality and your skill set. He has also given you a gift in your finances. And we utilize that to make a difference here in this community and around the world. 
We spent every week in December talking on some level about different ways in which this church is engaged in making a difference around the world. And we challenge and call our church to be a church of generosity. As we love and serve a God who gave freely, we want to be a group of people who give freely. So participate faithfully, serve sacrificially, give generously. And the fourth is grow passionately. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence. So this is Paul writing to a church that he helped start. And he's no longer there pastoring them, but now he's writing a letter to them to encourage them. Not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, because Paul's no longer there. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, one quick point that I want to make on this is notice that he does not say work for your salvation. That work has been done on our behalf. That's why we sing and we celebrate every Sunday. That's why we should be singing and celebrating every day is because God has worked on our behalf to do what we could not do. We celebrate the brutal cross and crucifixion of Christ because he did the work. Salvation isn't free, but the price has already been paid. You and I were bought with a price. Christ died for us. He did the work for us. He doesn't say work for your salvation. We never preach here that you're trying to earn God's love or forgiveness, that there's some kind of religious to-do list that you have to check off all the boxes if you want to go to heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what we teach. Your salvation has already been worked for. What Paul says here is work out. We're trying to work out what God has already worked in. And here's why our fourth area of covenant membership is grow passionately. It is not my responsibility. It is not this church's responsibility for you to grow spiritually. Ultimately, that's yours. We have been called as a church, me as a pastor, but then you as one who's supposed to use your gifts to serve others. We as a church have been called to foster and facilitate growth, to present opportunities and moments, to to present ministries and and things that can help equip you to grow. But what we don't want is a church full of people who just say, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. Just like Trevor was talking about when, when he got up here to do the welcome, right? Talking about you, you can't always take in. Sometimes you've got to be able to give it out. We are called to be people who take responsibility for our own growth. And so... Here's why we put this as a covenant membership. If you attend church every Sunday and you attend small group, e-group every single week and you volunteer in the children's ministry once a month and you help set up chairs once a month, but you haven't read your Bible in years and you can't remember the last time you prayed, we can't call that a win as a church. We're not just here for attendance. We're not just here to fill seats or to check boxes. We're here to see whole life transformation. And so we want to see the gospel take root, not on Sunday mornings, or not just on Sunday mornings, but every morning. And so when you commit to membership here, you commit to not just 
waiting on the church to do everything for you, but to get involved in your own spiritual growth, that you will grow passionately. And we as a church are going to do everything we can to give you the tools to do that. And then here's the fifth thing. Engage missionally. And we're going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We've literally read from the same scripture every week, I think, this whole month. That wasn't planned. Otherwise, I'd have been like, hey, here's our theme verse. It just has worked out uh, as I was planning the messages. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 17, says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses, trespasses excuse me, against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, making, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God has done a mighty work in us on our behalf. And through Christ, God reconciled us to himself. Through the cross, Christ paid that penalty. He did the work of our salvation and and opened that door for us to be reconciled back to our creator. And as a result, God has said, we are now given the ministry of reconciliation. It's not the the church as an organization's job to reach the community. It's the church as the people. It's our job to reach this community. No one is better positioned to make an impact on your next door neighbor than you are. Your loving kindness and your willingness to reach out and to serve and to share and to invite has way more effect than any sign we can put out on Gun Club Road or any mailer we could put in someone's mailbox. The Barna Research Group did a survey a few years ago. Any type of marketing, signs, television ads, radio ads, mailers, door hangers, all of it, Roughly 14 to 18% of people in the U.S. said that if they saw one of those things, it might encourage them to go to church. 14 to 18%. 47% said if a friend asked me to go, I'd go. When we talk about reaching and making a difference as a church, it's not about the organization and some program, it's about us. We are the church. The church isn't a building. It's not a budget. It's not a set of programs. It's the people. And we're committed as a group to make a difference where we live. And it just starts at home. It starts next door. It starts in the next cubicle or office. It starts with the barista who you see every Tuesday morning. We engage missionally as a group. Because that's what it means to be a part of and committed to a church. So let me, let me bring it to some practical points. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of things that I want to mention. Um, some of you are already members of our church. So a year and a half ago when we started this whole membership process, we had a big membership class and dinner. We talked more details of what membership means. And those of you who wanted to, you signed the membership covenant and said, I agree to those five things participate faithfully, serve sacrificially, give generously, 
grow passionately, engage missionally. Those are the five things I'll agree to do. And as a church, we agree to do whatever we can to help foster that, to help you in that pursuit. Um, So at the connection table, when you leave today, are your annual giving statements, which as a 501c3 organization, we have to give out every year. So just as a quick plug and announcement, as you leave today, stop by um, and grab your giving letter and you can use that for your taxes. Uh, If you don't pick it up today, it'll go in the mail tomorrow because by law, I have to. So so pick it up today and save our church the 37,000 cents or whatever it is to mail because it keeps getting more expensive every year. Um, But if you don't pick it up, we'll just throw it in the mail tomorrow. But if you are a covenant member, in addition to your annual giving statement, here's what you're going to find, and this is a covenant membership renewal. Um, and this is something that when we started covenant membership, we said we we're going to do every year. We didn't do it the first January because we had just started membership like two months prior. Um, and what this is, is an opportunity for us to both grow, for all of us to grow. On the, on the very last page, the, the last of it is say, hey, I'm still committed. I continue, I, I continue my commitment to the membership covenant for the next 12 months. And we'll just do this every, we do this every January. It'll go in your annual giving statement. But in here is an evaluation form. And here's what we challenge every, all of our covenant members to do, to evaluate yourself and to evaluate our leadership and this church. And to evaluate yourself, you're just going to ask yourself the question, do these five categories describe me? Could I describe myself as someone who participates faithfully? What we don't do is we don't put a number on it. Like you have to agree to attend like 92% of the time. Or when it comes to give generously, there's no percentage. It's... It's a way to self-evaluate. Are, would you classify yourself as someone who gave generously, as someone who served sacrificially, as someone who grew passionately, as someone who engaged missionally? So you just evaluate yourself, and it's subjective. And then you evaluate the church. How have we done in helping to equip you to participate faithfully, to serve sacrificially, to grow generously? And that way of doing the evaluation helps all of us to evaluate our own growth. Like, where are we doing well? Where are we not? And then as the leadership, we can see what we're doing well and where we're falling short so that we can better equip you to do what God's called you to do. Listen, if you never come to Element Church again and you have no interest in covenant membership and you never come back, it's not like you're no longer obligated to be a generous person. It's not like you're no longer obligated to engage in God's community. Those come from the Bible. That's why we read scriptures after each one. But maybe there's another church that you feel you would be better suited for. And that's okay. So long as it's a church that's preaching the gospel and seeing lives transformed. But we ask you to evaluate yourself and evaluate us. And it helps all of us to see where we're doing well, where we're falling short, and to, to, to do better in 2019. So if you're already a covenant member, you're going to find the renewal form in your annual giving letter. Um, some of you are not covenant members. Maybe you weren't around when we did our first membership class, or maybe you came, but then you forgot and you never got around to signing the Element Church Covenant. Um, February 24th, um, we're going to have dinner. We'll, uh, we'll go a little more in depth in covenant membership, and you can ask all the questions you want. Um, and so if you're not currently a member, which basically means if this renewal form is not in your annual giving statement, then you're not. Um, and we would love for you to come. Um, it'll be at my house. We'll have dinner. 
uh, unless there's too many who sign up, and we'll move it somewhere else out of my house. Um, and we'll just talk about membership. You can ask any question you want. We'll, we'll talk more details um, and walk you through how that covenant works. And so if you're not a member, if you have questions about membership, the 24th would be a great time to come. Um, and just, you, you don't even have to ask questions about membership. You can ask any question you want about us as a church, what we believe, um, things like that. So uh, it'll, be inf- it'll be somewhat informal. It'll be at my house. We'll have dinner. Um, and then, like I said, if too many people sign up, then we'll move it elsewhere. So, so uh, that may be the next step for you um, when it comes to this. But we genuinely believe that this is something that God has called us to, to challenge ourselves, to see whole life transformation as the gospel takes root in who we are. If you're not ready for that commitment, if you're not ready for membership, that's okay. You're welcome here. Um, some people aren't quite there yet. Maybe they're not quite ready to, to take that step of commitment. And that's okay. Um, we'd still love for you to come to dinner on the 24th and ask questions. Um, but we would love for you to continue to be here and continue to investigate um, what God is calling you to and maybe how he's at work in your life. But when we talk about who we are and where we're going, um, this is the direction we're going. We're here to help equip you to be who God has called you to be and to see transformation take, communi- take place in this community. And it doesn't matter if there's two people in this room or 200. God has called us to be here. And we're pushing forward. And we're going to continue to see lives, individual lives transform. We're going to continue to see God do a mighty work in this community. We're going to continue to see and to celebrate as more and more people every single year make that decision to give their lives to Jesus or to take that step of faith and get baptized. Every year we celebrate God doing more and more and more. And this is our invitation to you to be a part of it, to say, I'm all in. I want to be a part of what God is doing. And I want not only my life to be transformed, but I want to be at work in the process of God transforming others. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity to come and just talk about who we are and who you've asked us to be. And Jesus, I just, I go back to that very first scripture that we read. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, even when things don't go as planned. Lord Jesus, that's the cry of my heart, and I believe it's the genuine cry of the heart of everyone sitting in this room. And Lord, that's our attitude today. That's the attitude of our hearts as we come before you that we will rejoice in you no matter what life throws at us. If you will, I'm going to ask that you keep your eyes closed and continue in an attitude of prayer. I'm going to read this scripture that we opened with once again. And I want you to allow it to speak and to challenge you right where you are. That despite what may or may not have gone right this past week, this past year, maybe even this past decade, that you will come to a place where you can say, yet I will rejoice. I'm going to read this scripture for you. Chris is going to come up and begin leading us again. And we're going to have an opportunity to rejoice and to celebrate and who God is. Habakkuk 3, 
starting in verse 17. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. And we want to provide an opportunity for you to do just that. Chris is going to lead us in worship once again as we come to rejoice and to celebrate in our great God, the God of our salvation. If you want to stand and sing, we invite you to do that. If you want to stay right where you are, seated, and you just want to pray or think about what we've talked about, you do that. If you'd like someone to pray for you or with you, there will be some leaders in the back. We would love to do that. The communion table is available in the back. If you want to make that a part of your worship response this morning as we celebrate who God is and what he continues to do in our lives, then you do that. But you respond as God leads, as he calls you to rejoice. Lord Jesus, thank you once again. We celebrate who you are. We celebrate all that you have done and continue to do. Would you continue to speak? Would you continue to move? Would you continue to challenge each and every one of us as we come before you? as we rejoice in who you are, as we commit to being a part of what you're doing, of bringing you glory with our lives and seeing whole lives transformed by your gospel. Lord, we love you. Praise in your name. Amen.